0: Greetings, everyone. Good evening. How are we doing? Wow, it's just wonderful to see you all. I see Oklahoma in the house. Wowzers. What a treat. Amen. I'm going to be at IPA on on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, you guys. So please be there and meet me there as well. Amen. I'll be in Oklahoma City Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of this coming week. Hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that. And for those of you, how many of you are visitors? This is not your home church. You're visiting with us today. God bless you. Thank you for showing up. I pray that you receive what you came to receive. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful time. Again, for the pastors, Pastor Sam, Pastor Justin, thank you for the invitation. And um, extend the same thank you to the board, to all the leaders in this amazing house. I, I really believe that this fasting and praying was ordained of God. God wants to release some things amongst us. I think that the Lord has already been at work in our midst. Uh, we started on, Friday, on Thursday. Thursday Hallelujah. Man, it went by quick. Wow. Came in on Thursday. Flight was delayed, but made it to church. Because all the hardcore Zion people stuck around. <laughs> Until I got here at like nine something almost. I remember, we had a wonderful time in the word. And it's been great. It's been a conference. Uh, centered around the theme of leadership, and, um, and so you're coming really to the, uh, the culmination of uh, a four-day conversation, three-day conversation, and I, I pray that what you receive today, I'm not pulling something from out of the ether, it's a continuation of the same conversation, but I know that there'll be something for you to receive. Now what we're going to talk about today is not anything profound and new, it's actually something that is very common area of teaching in the church. But the Lord would not let it go all day with me today. I tried to shake it. I could not shake it. So I think there's an assignment that's attached to that. And I want to remain true to it. So I want to speak. And then I want to kind of open up the floor for a little bit. We're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer tonight. If that's okay. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, it's wonderful to be at a church that that is a good work ethic. Or amongst Christians that love to work. Amen. Don't just receive and sit down and do nothing. We need to activate some of what we're going to talk about tonight. I don't know why the Lord wants to bring it up now, but I know that he wants to bring it up for a purpose. Amen. Um, And so just to give you a little bit of background, because I'm actually picking up from where I left off this morning. But I'll get you caught up very quickly. So from this morning, we're talking about, you know... um, Leadership aspects. We know what leadership, what a a good leader must cultivate, and it had to do with cultivating a leader's mind or, you know, a leader's way of thinking. You know that the leadership perspective or sight is different. The way leaders see is different. Most people they look at impossibilities, what cannot be achieved, what is wrong, the economy, etc., etc. But leaders have got to cultivate uh, an eye that sees according to God, uh, God, God's perspective. It's Joshua and Caleb. Going across the river with 10 other men. Seeing the same things that these men see. But coming back with a different report. Amen. Because leaders emphasize on different things. They're not always just looking at the obstacles. They're looking at the opportunity. Amen. And more times you want to hang around with people that are solution oriented. That when God gives you a vision, you don't need to have someone tell you how it won't work. You need your team around you to find a way to make it work. Joshua and Caleb went from scouting the land, Numbers chapter 14. They came back and they said to Moses, let us go up at once, for we are well able to take the land. Everybody else was talking about the impossibilities. Ah, there's giants in the land. The son of Anakim are there. The Raphaim are there. And they're bigger than us. And we're like, blah, 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 blah. Amen. Pentecostals, let me tell you this. For all of us that believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that believe, let me, we were the part of the church that believed in the spirit being the sharp edge of the church. Giving us an edge that was beyond what the physical man can accomplish. But Pentecostalism of late has become a name tag. With no you know, um, corresponding power. It used to be a powerful thing. To be in Pentecost. That's why we could handle the persecution. Because the power that was with us. bore testimony to the fact that the spirit of God was with us. That's why we did not mind being persecuted. Nowadays it has become just a name tag. Zero power. Zero God-ordained vision. Everybody is is creating a vision they can manage. A vision that is within the sphere of their own individual competencies. Back in the day, it was unlearned men that had a vision to reach the world with the gospel. It looked like an impossible task, but they were anointed with a spirit that sees no impossibility. Ah, we need to turn some things around. Amen. If the vision you have for your church or for your group is in keeping with your budget, you're not dreaming big enough. That was for free. Amen. (laughs) So we're talking about leadership. That leaders must learn how to think different. They must learn how to see different. We talked about cultivating the nose of the leader. What is the nose of a leader? It's the spirit of discernment. That's why the nose simplifies we talked about the smell test. That some things may look good. It may look right. It just doesn't smell right. Mm, mm, I don't know what it is. It just doesn't seem. You have to cultivate the spirit of discernment. So you don't just go according to, oh, this looks good. And so we that, are, that, that, that walk with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you understand. You may see the most perfect offer on a table. And mm. something in you just says, son, wait up. We used to call it a check in my spirit. What was that discernment? That says there's something wrong with this deal. Don't sign on it. We need to cultivate that. That's what leaders do. So that's what we talked about this morning. But we ended up on the leader's mouth. And that's why I want to pick up. That leaders must learn to speak differently. You must understand that the most sacred thing you possess. And particularly my, 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 my South Asian brothers and sisters. We have got to talk about this strong. The most powerful thing you do is speak. The most sacred thing you do is speak. Do you know that you transitioned from eternal darkness to everlasting light because of something you said one day? You believed in your heart the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed with your mouth that God had raised him from the dead. And like this, your destiny was now sealed for heaven because of something you said. Never trivialize the words of your mouth. Oh, we go back to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 and here's what we find. Ladies and gentlemen. For six days of creation, now this is all, I told you we're talking about something obvious, right? Very obvious. Nothing new here. For six days of creation, the Lord creates the heavens and earth. He starts by saying, let there be light, and there was light. And He separates the light from the darkness. It says, let the water separate from the waters. Let the dry land appear. Let the animals, let the plants, all of this and everything that God was creating, God was just speaking forth with no evidence of pre-contemplation. There was no evidence at all that God thought about it. He just spoke light be. What is light? I don't know. You'll find out. But the only time that heaven paused was when it was time to create the man. And God revealed first the content of his mind before he acted out on what he was about to do. He showed us what he was thinking first. Because we were allowed into a holy council of the mind of God. And here's what the holy council said. Let us create men in our image and according to our likeness. And God began to describe our job description. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. He talked about us before he made us. The only creature that was born out of the pre-thought of God is evidenced by scripture. The scariest thing you possess is the image and the likeness of God. The most severe thing you possess is that he cut you out of the same fabric as himself. Let us make man in our image and according to our likeness. Therefore, one of the most amazing assignments you can ever embark is to find out how God operates. Because your operation, your optimum operation is hidden in the way he does what he does. Are we doing okay? So when he said, I'm making you in my image according to my likeness, L, you are saying you will never know yourself until you look at me, son. Until you see me, you don't know who you are. And then the next thing we see is this. So God created men in his image and according to his likeness, in the image of God created he, him, female created he, them. The next thing that he did was God bless them. That term bless means he spoke favorably over them. He made an announcement over them. It was a conversation that came out of his mouth, my brother. I need you to hear me. He didn't touch. He spoke. He didn't take and put in our By his hand, he did it by his mouth. That's the power of the blessing. And all I want to unpack tonight with God's help is this. The most powerful thing you do every day is you speak. So my question is, what have you been saying? How powerful are words? My goodness, don't mess with words, man. You see, for some of us who were born in Pentecost, but we've never really faced darkness. We've never uh, we really faced. I come from a family that was steeped in witchcraft, and I can tell you this right now words matter. In my, in, in my culture, we have something that we call kutanda potso. Kutanda potso is what? It's a curse that comes from a parent. Meaning, when a parent is wounded by a child and they say things out of pain, it's a curse to the child. That's why the Bible says, honor your father and mother that it might be well with you. That word honor means what? It says, you know, give unto them, so what? So the blessing that comes out of their mouth will give you long life. Do you know why it was said? Because the curse that comes out of their mouth is the antithesis of that. So when the Bible says don't grieve them, it's so that if they speak words with your name on it in hurt, it works against you. We see that in the family of Noah. We see that in the family of Jacob. What happened in the family of Jacob? Reuben, Jacob's firstborn. Go to the book of Genesis and you'll find it. Genesis, I think, is chapter 49. You know, Reuben, uh, Jacob's firstborn, he he messed around with his father's concubine and he then, you know, uh, harvested his father's scorn. So here's what his father said Reuben, you are the firstborn. You are the first expression of my strength, but unstable like water, you will not excel. Was Reuben gifted? Yes. Was he strong? Absolutely. But did he excel? No. Why? Because the tribe of Reuben came to the edge of the river Jordan. They were looking at the land of promise. And they chose to stay on the other side of the river. They went to Joshua and said, we found land on this side of the river. And Joshua was like, the land of promise is over there. How can we just camp here? Why? Because one day he crossed his father and his father spoke. And says, unstable as water you shall not excel. I want you to understand the depth of spiritual utterance. You understand? You must know how to treat sacred things as sacred common things as common. Words are not common. Of the, of the second and third born, Simeon and Levi. Here's what Simeon and Levi did they, they they double cross Jacob's neighbors, the Shechemites. One of the Shechemites got together with Dinah, their sister, with, with the sister of the twelve. And then when, they, when the boys found out, they went, now Jacob was like, treat our neighbors well. They went to the neighbors and they cut covenant with them. They said to the men, you can marry my sister if you enter into the circumcision covenant. So the men agreed because they wanted to really marry into the family of Jacob. So when the men had cut themselves in circumcision, Simeon and Levi went and cut them down with the edge of the sword. When Jacob heard that, he was very upset at his sons because he says, how can you do that? How can you snare people with a covenant? And then turn against them. He says, I curse your anger. I curse the anger of Simeon and Levi. I will not come and partake in their dwelling place and in their tent. He spoke that out. Four generations later, in the family of Levi, a boy is born. This boy was called Moshe because he was drawn out of the water. Fourth generation from Levi. So what happens with Moses. Moses was a wonderful man who loved God, but it seemed the anger problem never left the family tree. How do I know? One day he's walking around, he sees a Hebrew abusing, you know, uh, you know being abused by an Egyptian. He gets angry. ah! Picks up, poof, kills the man. He has to run for his life. He's banished for 40 years, looking after someone else's sheep. The Lord then has uh, broken him sufficiently to send him back to Egypt. He goes back to Egypt right? And when he's, when he's in Egypt, he's hanging around with the Lord, everything is going well, and um, the Lord says, come up, I want to give you my law. The Lord writes the law with the finger of heaven on some tablets. Moses comes down the mountain, finds that people are, are, are sinful. What does he do? In anger, ha! boom, he breaks the law of God. Forever prophesying that the law of God cannot be kept. Strike Strike two. The Lord says to Moses one time, the people are angry. The people are upset and they're complaining against Moses. So the Lord says, son, I want you to strike a rock and water will come out. So Moses struck the rock, the water came out. The second time, because he didn't know that he was actually preaching the gospel. Because the rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. And Christ had to be crucified once for our salvation. But the next time you don't crucify the rock again, you speak to the rock that's why it was by prayer that the Holy Ghost came down. But what does Moses do? He gets angry. Ah! Bam! He strikes up. The Lord says strike three. You're not entering in. Tripped up by anger. That was four generations old. Because one day two boys upset their father and he spoke. Don't mess with words my friends. Don't mess with words. We come to the man David. David takes a man's wife, arranges for the murder of the man. God didn't say anything. God was quiet. Kept quiet for nine months. Like he didn't see it. When the child is born, the Lord sends Nathan the prophet to David. And he says, I want you to go and tell him something. Nathan the prophet comes to David and says, sir, can I give you a parable? There was a man that had one ewe lamb. That's all he had. His neighbor had many, many sheep. The rich man had a visitor come to town one day. And instead of killing one of his many sheep, he took the only lamb that this man had. When David heard that, you know what David says? Let that man pay four times. It didn't come out of the mouth of God. It came out of the mouth of David. And the Lord says, you are that man. What is the Lord saying? You just announced your own judgment out of your own mouth. So how did that play out? That child that Bathsheba had died. One. Amnon, you know, raped Tamar, Absalom's sister, killed by Absalom, two. Absalom gets killed by Joab, David's cousin, and his, uh, his, his, his general, three. And when, when Solomon was securing his throne, he kills Adonijah, four. Four kids killed. Who, who, who spoke that judgment? God? It came out of the mouth of the... You be careful what you say. That's why I'm going to ask you right now, Malialis. You can be good in a million things... But if you are... If you, if you sin with your mouth... You hurt your own progress. And some of us don't know how to make words sacred. The first thing that the Holy Spirit touched... When he came in the New Testament... Was he touched our tongues... And we spoke in unknown tongues. The first thing he began... The New Testament was to change our conversation... Our, con- our speech... Watch your mouth. I guess my question is not, you know, my question is simple. What have you been saying? Huh? Leaders are people that have known that I cannot be loose with my lips. When I'm upset, I don't speak. Don't make me speak when I'm upset. Let me calm down. Why? So that I can speak with purpose. Because when I speak out of anger... I can engineer certain things in the realm of the spirit that can affect some people in a negative way and can affect my own life. Most people I know trip themselves up. Oh, I will never be able to do this. There you go. Great prophecy, man. It happens all the time. Ha, this one this one will never amount to anything. There you go. And parents come to me upset at their child and they speak words. You see, I, I tremble when I hear some of these things. Ha, this one is like, I'm like, please be quiet. Because, you know, your words, you're an authority in that child's life. Those words are seeds. And people curse their own church. Don't ever start a conversation. Hey, you know, ah, but the Malayali church is what? Ah, these people will never understand. That's why you're having problems with them understanding. You prophet. <laughs> you keep prophesying it, man. Ah, they'll never let us. And they never. Why? <laughs> Watch your mouth, man. Words are so consequential that one of my heroes in scripture, and when when we get to heaven, I'll talk to him and I'll say, I'll I'll apologize to him on behalf of his father. I'll apologize to him. I'll say, I identify with your life, my brother. Because he was labeled based on the first thing he ever did. And it was a mislabel. And he carried it for many years. In the day that he was born, his brother was born first. And he looked red. So his father called him Esau, which means red. Edom, it means red. But as his brother was being born, this young man had ambition. So his little kid, little in fetal position, just grabbed his brother's heel. And that's called tripping, it's called supplanting. So his father labeled him based on the first thing he ever did. And boy, did that label stick. Ah, Jacob, you little tripper, you little heel catcher. So the boy carried the stigma of that label for most of his life. He could not get ahead without cheating. Because every time they called him, Jacob, come here, they were saying, hey, you little heel catcher, you little supplanter, you little crook, come over here. So what did he do? He crooked. Why? He lived up to his brand like a pro. Jacob, come over here. Jacob, this is Jacob go over there. You know, you little, he'll, he'll catch her, he'll catch her, he'll catch her. So he always felt in his heart, the only way I can ever get ahead is if I trip down somebody else. So the struggle of his life, my goodness, man, for some of you, you've accepted a label. You say, you've told yourself that what is easy for others, it will always be difficult for me. You need to break that label tonight. Stop saying words like that over you. Break that. Change your conversation. You have, the enemy has not been fighting you. He's been using your own words to tie you with your own words. Let me tell you this. No amount of crying to God can overturn loose lips. Because you pray one moment, you get deliverance, you tie yourself the very next day. Until you learn the discipline of speaking correctly, knowing that the end time generation is a prophetic generation. Joel saw a prophetic generation in the end time. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. My men servants and my servants, upon them shall be my spirit. In the end. That's, it means the entire end time church is a church with a prophetic word in their mouth. Be careful what you say. For Jacob, it was like this. How did his father get his bride? The Bible says Isaac was in the field meditating. Chilling. Totally chilling. Namaste. And he looks up, and he sees the camels bringing Rebekah. That's how easy it was for him. How about Jacob, the hill catcher, the, the, the crook? He got crooked. By Laban. Ah, so you want, eh? You want Isha? Yeah, seven years, seven years. Seven years. Working hard for seven years, working hard for seven. Seven years Ah, another seven, another seven. He spent 14 years paying for what his father got for free. Why? Because someday a label was put on him that it will be easy for others, but for you, you've got a crook to get ahead. Those 14 years, he received no wage at all from his father-in-law. Do you know how he got his money? He crooked his father-in-law. With the poplar plants, at the watering, so that the you know the ones could come out spotted. Crooked him. How did he take the blessing from his brother? Crooked him. Father asked him, "Who are you?" "I'm Esau." You don't sound like Esau. Yeah, I've been doing my voice exercises, Dad, and I kind of sound like him. <laughs> come over here, let me smell you. He was wearing Esau's clothes. Hmm. The voice is Jacob's. But the smell is the smell of Esau. He gets a blessing that never really landed on him. If you notice what happened, the blessing that he was told by his father was given to Esau, even though it was announced on Jacob, it never stuck until God changed his name. Why? God had to speak a different conversation over him. That's why when he wrestled with God, the first thing that the angel of God asked him was what? What's your name? What is that? What has been announced over you? What have they called you? What has been spoken over you all your life? And he said, they call me Jacob. They call me Hillcatcher. He says, no, 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 no. We need to change that. Or your destiny will never excel beyond your label. Not gonna happen. Your destiny will never excel beyond the word that has captured you. Do you know why you've been crooking people to get ahead? Because that's what you've been labeled. That is the idea, the conversation you've accepted. Your name now changes from this day forward. You are Israel. It means you're a prince with God. When God changed his conversation over Jacob, He changed his destiny in a moment. In a moment. In a moment. Watch what you're saying. Now, you already know this, I'm sure. I would hope. Amen? You already know this, right? (laughs) Oh, got that, Felix. Yeah, I've known that all my life. (laughs) The dilemma of ethnic people is loose lips. When we get angry, we curse. We don't use foul language, no. We curse out of anger and we label people unable, this one will never rise, that one will always be naughty, that one will always be this and that one. I've heard that. I've heard people criticize a kid that was up there trying her best to do worship or to preach. And someone out there would say words that bind and that don't give life. Proverbs 18 and verse 21, life and death is in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Right here. Is the power of life and death Most of the devil that you're trying to fight You are inviting him with your mouth The traps you're trying to come out of You created them with your mouth Why? That's just the way heaven operates Now check this, you don't have to like it It's just the way it is That means what? Shift Shift Don't err with your lips Lips are sacred, conversation is sacred Ah When was the last time you put yourself, you know, in, you stood yourself in front of a mirror and you spoke favorably over yourself? Some of you have never done that. You've never prophesied over your own destiny. You've just received words that other people have spoken over you. You're a prophetic generation, friend. There comes a time when you have to say something about it. Everybody else has spoken, but what do you have to say about it? What do you have to say about it? There has to rise something in you that says, I have something to say. You have called me this, you have called me that, but I have something to say. What's David, First Samuel chapter 31? The men of David turned against him because they came to their camp in Ziklag and they found that it had been burnt by the Amalekites, and they had taken all the women and the children and all their supply with them. The David's men talked about killing him. What did the Bible say? David went aside and what he encouraged himself. In, do you know what that is? He went and he talked to himself. Come on, David. You're not going to die today. Ah, not today. Not today, son. I know there's a promise of God on your life. I remember when the man of God came to your house and he picked you up amongst your brothers and he said that God is going to cause you to be captain over his people. Ah, there is a day that is coming when you're going to die. But it is not today. Someday I will die. I will not die today. But your most loyal men are talking about killing you. Let them say what they will. But I have something to say. Lord remember that time when you rescued me. From that giant. Yeah. ah, That was an insurmountable situation. Yeah. And I made it Lord. Because of you. Oh, by my God, I can run through a troop, man. By my God, I can leap over a wall. By my God, I can bend a bow of bronze. I will chase after my enemy and I will overcome them. And when I'm done with them, I will beat them up like dust and throw them like dust on the street. That was Psalm 18. What was David doing? Talking to himself. What is that? It's an inner conversation of a conqueror. He's got to sit himself down because life is pushing against him. And he stops and says, I have something To say. Blessed be the Lord, my rock that teaches my hands to war and my fingers to do battle. I have something to say. You will never amount to anything. Thank you, Uncle. But I have something to say. It doesn't matter who does not believe in you, you understand. It matters what you believe about what they say. The devil, let me tell you how the enemy works. Anybody who's ever worked in deliverance, pastor, you can attest this. The devil works by the principle of agreement. All he can do is to suggest. And then he waits for your agreement. That's how he gets you. Yeah. um, Did God say you cannot eat of every tree? Uh, no, you know, uh, we can eat of every tree except the tree that's in the center of the garden. And um, yeah, I uh, really, um, because uh, if we eat of the tree, we'll surely die. Um, here's a suggestion: you won't die. What is he waiting for? For you to agree. Why? If you don't agree, there's no power. The only power he has is the power of agreement. So what does he do? He makes a suggestion and waits for you to reciprocate. Really? Yeah, you won't die. Uh, no, it won't happen. The devil never took the fruit and forced it down Eve's mouth. He maneuvered so that she would do it to herself. He's never changed his tactic. He tried that with Jesus, and it fell flat on his face. Hey, if you are the son of God, uh, turn these stones to bread. And then, then Jesus says, I just heard what you have to say, but here's the thing. I have something to say. Man does not live by bread alone, but, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So yeah, you you are entitled to your opinion. I'll never take that away from you. But after you finish speaking, give me my turn to speak. And here's what I have to say about this. You have no agreement here. For I've already found another way to live that has got nothing to do with turning stones to bread. It was the counter argument that won the day. A lot of us, we get, the devil treats us like a piñata. He hits us with words and we just split open and all the goodies come out. Candy. What must you do? I have something to say. I have something to say. Son of man, can these bones live? Only you know. Yeah, let me tell you the secret. The secret is actually not in me. It's in your mouth. I will tell you what to say, but when it comes out of your mouth, this valley shall be filled with life. Do you have an opinion about the death in the valley? Not yet. You need to have one. Because what you shall say, Will matter. Prophesy to the dry bones. Say something about the dead situation. Speak life into it. And the only way that deadness will be reversed in Richardson. Is when you finally get up and you say you know what. I have seen or I've seen all this. But I have something to say. Hear ye the word of the Lord you dry bones. I don't know how dead you are. Pretty dead. I don't know how long you've been dead. I don't need to know. But I'm going to tell you the way it's going to go down from this point forward. You shall come together for the word of the Lord is in my mouth. I'm a prophetic generation and I'm about to prophesy to you. And you shall stand before him with sinews and skin and breath in you as a mighty army. So I don't look at the present situation. I prophesy the outcome. Why? Because I looked at the situation. It was dead. The valley was full of dry bones. But because of the inspiration of the Lord, I have something to say. I have something to say. I have something to say about this situation. Most of the battles we face is because we choose silence when we should be speaking. When you really go through a rough time in life, you usually are drawn into silence. No, no, no. There's some troubles that you have that you're talkative. You know, when any of you parents or or, those that are older that have been through some real trouble, what happens? You You cannot even tell your spouse. You cannot even talk about it. Why is that? Because the enemy is afraid that if you open your mouth, you will turn things around. So he will whisper, shh, don't say anything. They will judge you. Don't say anything. And so you stew in silence while he takes you for everything you've got. There comes a time when you must stand up and say, okay, I have something to say. If God is for me, who can be against me? for greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world you've got to prophesy to yourself you've got to speak to yourself you've got to speak to your, let me tell you this one of the most powerful things you can do is the heaven to earth conversation, right? That's, 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 that's platform number one. I'll give you a few examples. First Samuel chapter 7. You know, the children of Israel come to Samuel as he's a judge in Israel. And they say, please don't cease to pray over us. And as they're speaking to him, the Philistines come to attack. Samuel takes a young lamb or a young goat and he slaughters it and offers it before the Lord. And he cries out to God on behalf of Israel. Father in heaven, hear. As he did that, the Lord thundered down and he routed the army. Of the enemy. Why? There's a certain heavenward conversation that will bring confusion to the camp of the enemy. They would have been overcome if they would kept quiet. But Samuel had something to say. Are we surrounded? Yes. Are they mightier than us? Yes. Are they better armed than us? Yes. Are they more determined to kill us than us? Yes. So are we going to die today? Mm, I have got something to say about this. I'm gonna to talk to my God. You wanna hit me, you wanna go at me, go for it. But I'm gonna be talking to God while it happens. And I'm telling you this you wanna court disaster, mess with the praying church, mess with the praying family, mess with the praying woman, mess with the praying man when they're on their knees before God. You are starting a battle. That's why the Lord said to Jehoshaphat, this is not your war. Don't worry about it. This battle belongs to the Lord. Why? Because instead of talking to the enemy and negotiating terms of peace, Jehoshaphat went before heaven and began to have a conversation with heaven. And the Lord routed four armies. Because the praise and worship people were... Whoosh! heaven came down. Why? Because they had something to say. They had something to say. Moab, Mount Seir, Amnon, you're surrounding me. Yeah, there's four of you. There's one of me. But I have something to say. There's something to say. And when he opened his mouth, the Lord routed the army. Some of the crisis you're in right now is because you've been silent in the day of battle. How dare you? What's wrong, brother? Nothing. <laughs> Come on, dude, it doesn't... Uh, nothing. Dude, just leave me alone, okay? There's like nothing going on here, you know. That is the most nothing I've ever seen in my life because that's, like, that's a something looking nothing. Nothing. What is that? You're being quoted into silence so the enemy can beat the poop out of you. So what do you do? Say something. Where was that in the book of Acts? Was it Acts chapter 12? In the beginning, what happened? Herod took James. Killed him. Am I correct? And what did he think? What did the church do? Nothing. Nothing probably cried oh lord please you know father is so bad he was the brother of jesus he was the bishop of the church in jerusalem please lord you know so bad so so he thought ah this is good you know the jews love this let me take peter when he took peter the church says i have something to say about this one yeah. you got away with james my brother because we're not smart we let you get away with it you touch peter and we're going to speak about this yeah. so what does this church do they call a prayer meeting why we got something to say And in that prayer meeting, they began to talk to God. And what happened? The the, the apostle was visited by an angel in the inner prison. Why? Because the church refused to drop the subject. They had something to say. Uh, Ah, my friends in India, too much much complaining about Modi. Too much complaining. Ah, no, no, no. You know, and he's taking all these rights from the Christians. Where's the church risen up and said, excuse me? But I have something to say. You won't serve his term through if he messes with the people of God. Change or resign. Do you know how long it took to gain momentum for the church in India? Do you know what it took? Some of you may not be aware of this, but I was praying for India in the 80s and the 90s. Because my pastors, they started a movement through the Wagner Institute that prayed over what they call the 1040 window. In the late 80s and into the early 90s, there was a global movement to pray for what they call the 1040 window where the nation of India is. We were crying out for India in Zimbabwe. Fasting and praying for India in Zimbabwe. I had no idea i will be talking to Indians today. The whole globe at the World Prayer Center in Colorado Springs they were offering 24-hour prayers for the nation of India. And India began to open up to the gospel. And people like Benny Hinn would go in and get 400,000 people at a meeting. It wasn't because of great marketing. It was because the church had opened up the heavens over the nation of India. This man in this government is trying to close the heavens again. Well, I have something to say. Every right of the Christians have been taken away and I've watched the Christians take it. Ah, yeah, you know, what are we going to do? You know, it's uh, it's the fundamentalists, it's their government and uh, all this, and he's taking territory that the church fought for. So what do we do? We have a conversation with heaven about the nation of India. And we declare that I have something to say. Shutting down open air prayer meetings. Do you know how long it took for us to get open air prayer meetings? Do you know how long we had to fast and pray before the Heavenly Father? I had friends like Dr. Johnson that had worked in Calcutta. We ministered there for many years, hardly got any souls. And in one year got more souls than they got in 20 years working there. Not because they worked harder, but because the heavens were open. How did the heavens open? Because the church had something to say about it. So you think you're going to come down and take all that progress away in one administration? No, I have something to say. I have something to say. So what am I calling the church to do? Don't take it. I'm not talking about going to the polls because going to the polls might not make a difference for you. You are here in America. Take it into the highest court. They're shutting down orphanages. Where are those kids going to go? Some of them will be trafficked. Some of them will be so abused. They came to those orphanages, your Christian orphanages, because of the abuse they were going through. Now they're shutting down the Christian orphanages. Where are those kids going to go? Who is speaking up? Not arguing in the hallways of power, but taking the conversation back to where it belongs. You know, you don't even understand. Do you know what ecclesia, what the church means? Do you know what the term ecclesia means? It doesn't just mean the called out ones. It's the term for the magistrates that sit at the city gate. Do you know what it is? It is the circle of leaders, magistrates that sit in government at the city gate. Do you know who the real authority is on this earth? It's you. you know why the, the, the church keeps fighting against each other because the enemy is afraid that you might direct the conversation in the right direction. So he has brother fighting, brother, sister, fighting sister, And this one in the order of service, and you know, do we sit uh, all together in once, or so do we have the men then, you fighting over nonsense that has got nothing to do with eternity. All the whole time, the enemy is taking you for everything you've got. Well, our children, you know, they want to worship with the lights dimmed. At least they are worshiping. I know parents whose children are in the world that have not seen the doorway of a church in years that come crying real tears. Your kids are in church and you're complaining. And you think I'll have a sleepless night over that. Are you kidding me? I'm praying for kids that are out in the world right now. You're complaining about kids in church, in church, in the house of God. Get over it and grow up we got a kingdom in the whole time the enemy is robbing us blind. He's taking the nations back that we fought so hard for. He's taking the things that we fought so hard for. Nobody's saying nothing. People are complaining about minutia. "Ah, I don't like the way your songs sound. I don't like the way. Nobody consulted you whether you liked it or not. We're not singing to you. We're singing to him. I got something to say. I got something to say, in this nation, America began to think that they can solve American problems necessarily by legislators and leaders and whoever is in the White House, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, I need you to hear me good, what matters is the position of the church. And it doesn't matter if you have got access to the hallways of power. You are already the magistrates. You are already the ecclesia. You already sit at the city gate of authority. But the church is so lazy that the average church in them, without all these immigrants that they're talking against right now, you remove the ign- I- I- immigrants from this nation, you've just removed the prayer life of this nation. Because the average American minister, the banner says, prays for less than five minutes a day. Do you know who's holding up the banner of prayer in this country? It's you browns and the blacks and the oranges and whatever. Yeah, because you are from the old country you're driving nice cars now you're looking good but you have not forgotten how to pray and the new generation of the young if there's any mental I want you to receive from your parents is their prayer ethic they know how to talk to God you better learn something I have something to say I have something to say the church began to talk to God about Peter and they said we're not okay with Herod having Peter we're not okay with it. They didn't say, Lord, if it's your will. No, they said, no, we're not okay with it. We want Peter back. What does the Lord do? Dispatch an angel. Go and get him out. The church won't drop the subject. Go and get him out. Peter is fast asleep. Between two guards, he gets kicked. As soon as he's kicked, boom, his chains fall off. Let's get out of here, man. Why? The church won't drop the subject. We were chilling in heaven. I was watching, you know, a test cricket between us and, um, and, the, and, and, and the messenger angels. The warring angels The messenger were playing cricket. I'm just missing my game. Get, get, get out of here. It's take you back to that. Why? Because the church won't drop the subject. They keep talking to heaven about the plight of Peter forcing the hand of heaven to get him out of prison. Do you know how many of your sons and daughters have an apostolic call and they are in some jail cell right now? It's the jail cell of comfortability. It's the jail cell of safety and comfort zones. It's the jail cell, some of them, of sin and hidden sin. And you know what will change that? Is if you have a conversation in the right. Don't criticize them because they're not serving God. Take it to the highest court. Say something. I don't want to serve God. Okay, money. I've got something to say. (laughs) Heavenly Father. My mother pulled that one on me, by the way. And so I used to try and do the whole worldly thing. It never worked for me, man. I'd be like, ah, trying out there. And I'll just feel such a conviction. I got to get out of here, man. And everybody's the music, I got to get out of here, man. I got to get out of here. Why? Because the old lady was praying didn't t- tell me about it, tell me not to go there, No, no didn't tell, say anything. Took it to the highest court and the Lord will drag me out of those places. What have you been saying? Hmm? If you look at the bulk of your conversation in the last 30 days, how much of it was pulling heaven into your orbit? How much of it was complaining about things that are happening? How much of it was negative and, 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 and tripping you up? How much of it was targeted to bring about a powerful spiritual outcome? What in the world have you been saying? Leaders watch their mouth. Because they understand that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Jesus looked at his little ragtag army, and he released a prophetic word over them. These works that you see me do, greater works than this shall you do. And I'm sure that the people that heard that laughed. <laughs> these guys, come on, man, these guys, greater works than you? Yeah. Look, the other one there can hardly speak without cursing. How do I know? When Peter was refusing, <laughs> that he didn't know Jesus, and the little servant girl was pressing him. The Bible says he began to curse. I don't blink it, you know the blinkity guy. Blinkity leave me alone. Loose mouth. And also that one is going to turn the world upside down. Why are you prophesying stability on the least stable disciple? Because I have something to say. You look like you're bipolar and you know, borderline schizophrenic. That's the way you've been. That's been your personality trait. But Jesus said about Simon, but I have something to say. I call you a rock and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. I have something to say. Book of Acts, chapter four. The man at the gate called beautiful had just been healed. Peter and the disciple had been arrested and brought before the council. And when they got released from the council, they left the council meeting and got into a prayer meeting. And as they began to cry out to the Lord and saying, "You know, Father." You know, may um, mighty works be wrought by your apostles, And The Bible says the place where they were in was shaken as they prayed. Sometimes you can talk toward heaven, and the place where you are begins to be shaken. When Paul was preaching in the, uh, Peter, rather was preaching in the house of Cornelius right? The Bible says, while Peter yet spoke, what was he doing? First, they talked this way, the place where they are, is shaken. Then Peter was now preaching this way. And while Peter yet spoke, the Holy Ghost fell upon them. That place began to shake. There's a conversation that is heavenward that causes a shaking. There's a conversation that is earthward that causes a shaking. Watch your mouth because your mouth is powerful you know when i was younger i began to see, it, it began to occur to me and I, I approached the lord at one time many many years ago father your word says while peter yet spoke the holy ghost fell and father i want to see a altar filled before i finish preaching because i want the holy ghost to fall while i'm still preaching and i kept nagging heaven and nagging god about that and i remember preaching in my bible college class i was preaching up a storm the fire of god had saturated the atmosphere and a young man got up on on the aisle knelt down on his knees and began to walk on his knees all the way to the altar and one by one people began to come out of the altar while i yet spoke the lord honored that word you know why because there's talking this way that causes a shaking When was the last time you shook some stuff because of something you said? You don't shake stuff by complaining. Ah, uh, you know, you know, I, you always know when it's that. Yeah, you know, brother, you know. I uh, know I don't. Please explain. Yeah, you know, you know, you know how the devil does. Actually, no, I don't. <laughs> Please explain. Stop complaining, y'all. Memory and complaining offended God about the children of Israel. Why? Because memory and complaining is talking about the problem without offering the solution. That's what memory is. It's talking about the problem. You know, this man, he brought us here. We're going to be thirsty and we're going to die. And I don't even like it. And God is hearing and it's offensive to him. Offensive to him. Why? That is not the conversation he's looking for. That's the conversation that gets you bound. You need the conversation that sets you free. For some of you today, part of the reason why I wanted to work in the worship team, if you guys can take your place. I'm just asking you, we're going to hit one more song, is this okay? Take your place, I need you. Because here's what I want to do. Ladies and gentlemen, I want us to just spend a a season, Pastor, to end this breakthrough conference in a prophetic mode. Amen. And as we begin to worship together, if the Lord lays a word to speak over the church, I want you to get up and I want you to speak it, Pastor Justin. Okay, and some of us that are in here, we're praying, pray over a prophetic word over your children. Okay, not just your own child, but the children that are here present. Speak the power of God over them. Speak that the Lord will cause them to shake the nations. Okay, we've complained enough about them. Now let's speak life over them. We want to do some heaven's work today. If you're there saying, Felix, minister to me. I'm not going to minister to you today, friend. No, 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 no. Today you are getting into ministry mode for yourself. You're going to speak a word over your own life, over your, your marriage, over your children, over the children in this house, over this city. You will speak over this nation. We want a prophetic word over the nation of India. I'm not, we we cannot sit by and watch India get taken back after years of struggling. No, no. Many people don't even know about North Korea. Do you know that North Korea used to be called the Jerusalem of the East? Do you know that the church was more vibrant in North Korea than it is in South Korea? It used to be called the Jerusalem of the East. It was a hub for Christian activity. Until one family held it in a stranglehold. It's not going to take military, because if you send the military there, you're just going to kill the same people we want to see lifted up before the Lord. The seeds of the gospel are on that land. We can take the issue to a higher court, and you will see a shift in government, either a shift in demeanor, or a shift in the way that he does what he does, which will open up that nation to the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want North Korea for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want the continent of Africa. I want these United States of America one to God. Not because the Christians are being obnoxious in the, in the face of the atheists and are trying to say, na-na-na-na, we've got the white house. None of that nonsense. I'm talking about talking to heaven because we love them and we want to see them come into the grace of the name of Jesus. The church has got to get up and say something. Amen. So you're going to prophesy over your marriage, over your family. You're going to prophesy over your church, whatever church you come from. You're going to prophesy over our kids, meaning the generation of the young. We'll prophesy over our cities. We'll prophesy over this country. We'll prophesy over the nation of India, the continent of Africa, North Korea. we call, you know, the the islands of the sea. We got work to do tonight. You came to be blessed. I came to put you to work tonight. Let's all stand, please. Those of you that can pray in the spirit, begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Out loud, don't be lazy. Begin to talk to God right now.